You are listening to Tuesday Takeover here on the X106. Austin McNorton, Nolan Brooks here with you, and it is time to recap week one of college football and what a week it was. We will start first with the Big Ten, and so we'll kind of look at, um, obviously, the teams that are close in this proximity of Northwest Missouri to us, but we'll also look at the ranked teams in the Big Ten, Big 12, and SEC specifically. So we will start with the first-ranked team in the Big Ten, and that will be the Michigan State Spartans as they took on the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Michigan State jumped out to a 7-0 lead um, and really jumped out to a um, a 24-7 lead at or a correction, a 25-7 lead at halftime. They only put up three points in the second half, but that's all they needed was that first half performances. Defensively, only holding Tulsa to seven points on the scoreboard, and uh, it was an impressive game specifically from um, the defense, like I was just saying, but also offensively, you look from quarterback play, with uh, Brian Lewerke with 192 yards and a touchdown. And then, of course, Hayward had just 43 yards rushing the ball. So Michigan State, not very explosive offensively, but, I mean, defensively when you're only giving up seven points, forcing an interception, and then allowing – this is their lead, Tulsa's leading rusher, six carries, zero yards. Um, that's a pretty good recipe for success, I'd say. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um that right there is the kind of game I bet Jacob Blair uh, talks about when he says the four scoring possessions and that's all you need, and then you just play defense. Uh, that's I mean, it to literally, a team. Literally, there it is. Um, so I mean, I don't, I don't think Michigan State can do this every week, especially once they start playing the the conference games against, say, Michigan or Ohio State. Um, that's not going to work. So I think. I think this was more of a, you know, get get some jitters out. I mean, only 43 yards for your starting running back. I don't I don't see that that happening again. Now, is Tulsa in the same conference as UCF? I believe they are. I don't think they are. Or is it Houston maybe they're with? Yes, they're I, in the American Conference, I think. So that's the conference UCF is in, isn't it? UCF is in the American, right? I'm not going crazy. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. Okay. So, uh, I mean, they – they got some high caliber teams. I mean, that's a respectable conference in terms well, of non power yeah, five conferences. But I mean, I think I think Michigan State was just trying to um, really get the a, jitters out. Yeah. And I mean, twenty eight points isn't bad. No, I mean, they granted, did, they Penn State put up you, what seventy. You said, but what you said, they literally did to a T. We're going to score four times. We're going to play defense, and we're going to win. I mean, when you hold a starting running back who leads the team in rushing yards to nothing. I mean, Not bad. That, that, yeah, that's pretty good. So I mean, you really <laughs> take that take that as a positive, and then and just move on. Exactly. From it. And then so. we move to the next game where it was a show offensively and defensively as well. Yes. Where the number nineteen Wisconsin Badgers put up forty nine on the scoreboard against the South Florida Bulls and held South Florida to zero points as well. Obviously, and Nolan and I have talked about this. How talented. Uh, who uh, Taylor is, and he put up four touchdowns in this win over West, over UCF. But then defensively, you look at it again, and it was it was truly impressive in terms of uh, quarter. Uh, um, sorry, rushing yards only giving up seven seventeen to their leading rusher, 
And then they forced two interceptions from their starting quarterback. And Barnett, who is South Florida's quarterback, went 13 of 30, 109 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. That's incredible. So we looked, we've already looked now at the Big Ten, two teams who have played tremendous defense. And then we see, of course, Jawan Taylor put up four rushing touchdowns. So Wisconsin, are they the favorite in the West, in the Big Ten West? I mean, if they're going to put up 49 points every week, I don't see why you well, wouldn't take yes, them. Yes, But, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, that won't happen. But. No, I don't... No, it's not going I mean, to. But, <laughs> I mean, we already knew Jonathan Taylor was going to come out and perform. I mean, he's 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 another running back Did in line. Did I say Juwan? I think yeah, I said, you yeah. said Juwan. Jonathan. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Oh. Well, I knew that. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is another running back who's just in line to be good at Wisconsin. They've had that over and over again. Um, so I think it's, I think it's just going to work out well. I think this offense kind of molds itself around him. He's, he's that two way back. He can pound out yards. I mean, had over a hundred rushing yards, but he also had receiving yards too. So I mean, you you really got to wonder how much they'll be able to utilize him in the coming weeks. Um, I mean, two catches for 24 yards apiece, and they were both for touchdowns. So, I mean, just kind of take it with a grain of salt what this offense could really put together every week. And, I mean, they ideally they had two guys basically get 100 yards rushing. So, I mean, they have a very dynamic offense. Um, so, yes, I would put them as the favorite in the West, but don't don't expect them to put up 21 points in the second quarter every week. Um, and this defense is going to have its bugaboos. Every every team does, but uh, right now Wisconsin looks good. Then we look to another just outstanding per- performance offensively, and uh, to me it goes to Justin Fields, who just had an absolute field day. See what I, I like? Yes, yeah, see what I, I did? Like what I'm, sorry, did I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You um, had to though. Forty-five to twenty-one, the Buckeyes beat the Florida Atlantic Owls. Where Justin Fields threw for four touchdowns and ran for a touchdown as well, and oh, the Buckeyes just simply rolled. Fields of two hundred thirty-four yards, uh, four touchdowns passing, one on the ground. J.K. Dobbins had twenty-one carries for ninety-one yards and a touchdown, um, and then you. Uh, and so yeah, I was like, I'm kind of at a loss for words because I I was talking about in the in the preseason and our show last week about a lot of people are forgetting about Justin Fields and what he's uh, he's the number one player out of the state of Georgia. This kid can play football, and he showed it in the Big Ten uh, opener over Florida Atlantic. Of course, it wasn't a conference opponent, but still, regardless. Ohio State looks like the favorite to me again. Um, I know they weren't playing a spectacular team, but Justin Fields really impressed me, maybe more than I thought he was going to, and I talked pretty highly on him. Oh, yeah. Um, I think there's there's a difference between a performance where you put up, you know, you put up your kind of like a Michigan State. If they only put up 28 points, then you got to wonder, okay, maybe he's still getting adjusted. But, I mean, when you go out and you throw – I mean, he, he he only had – what did he have? Seven incompletions? Yeah. I mean, when you throw seven incompletions – you never know. Some of those might be drops. Or, exactly. You know, I mean, how many so, of those were actually bad throws? I mean, when you come out week one, 200 yards passing, four touchdowns, and nearly 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, I mean, you got to – 
you really have to consider that this kid really is a fantastic quarterback and he can take this program to a good spot. Um, honestly, I applaud the effort of Florida Atlantic putting up 21 on Ohio State. Um, it, it would be different if it was only like seven points. Then then you'd be like, all right, that's only a touchdown. You know that happens. But, I mean, to put up 21 on Ohio State, applaud Florida Atlantic. They played a great game. There were, I mean, an interception for the backup quarterback, uh, I mean, that – Whatever, you know, brush that <laughs> off. But I think I think you really just have to um, take this game as a good performance for Justin Fields and Ohio State moving forward. Next, we will look at Middle Tennessee, who traveled to Ann Arbor to take on the Wolverines, the number seven team in the country, and the third team we'll look at here in the Big Ten. And this was a game where Shea Patterson threw three touchdown passes um, allowing Michigan to roll to a 40-21 game. And honestly, um, Shea Patterson wasn't really pleased um, with the performance with the start. Um, Patterson lost a fumble on the first play of the game, um, and then he fumbled again later on in the game. And he said, quote, after the game, obviously we didn't get off to a good start. He said, I've got to take care of the football. But what I think a lot of people wanted to see was Michigan unveiled its no-huddle spread offense. Um, and I think it was just – when you, when you start a new kind of offense for your team, you're going to have mental and then, of course, turnovers. And I think that's kind of what we saw. Jim Harbaugh said, we shot ourselves in the foot at times with pre-snap penalties, mishandling the football on snaps, and maybe not knowing the right play of when you hand off the ball to the ball carrier. He wants it, but you think that you're supposed to keep it. So there's an exchange problem where the ball gets put on the turf a couple times for Shea Patterson. But... Um, so far in the Big Ten, as we've kind of been hinting on, these top teams have been um, taking control and then not giving up that. And I think that's something we're, we could see from Michigan. If they're able to put up points, which has always kind of been their kryptonite, because um, you know their defense is going to get the job done, but if they're able to put up points as well, it might be a chance to dethrone Ohio State. I don't know if that's going to happen. I personally don't think that's going to happen. But if then offense gets going for this team, they're one of the top ten teams in the country. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, they're ranked seventh for a reason. But it's, I agree, it was a sluggish start for them. It was a it was a slow start. I mean, you, when you fumble the ball twice as a quarterback, that's that's but maybe that's not what raises, you expect week one. Well, yeah, but I mean that should I mean that should raise a concern when the quarterback fumbles twice. Now, if it's the running back, it's a little bit different. His because job is to maybe, run the ball. Because then maybe but, you're thinking, oh, well, the quarterback was actually supposed to hand that off when he wanted to keep it. or exactly. like, He should have known that. So, But, I mean, when you implement this new type of style where the quarterback is going to run more, I think that's where you have to really take those fumbles and just look at it as, you know, that's, that's Middle Tennessee playing defense and punching the ball out. Because, I mean, I, I, I just watched the, the highlight of that and – both times it looks like Patterson was diving to the ground and literally last second the ball gets punched out. So I mean okay. it's so it, it would be different if he was, you know, if he was running and he dropped the ball or something like that. So I mean just just take your your errors and and fix them. I mean they put up 40 points, almost an identical game be, like Ohio State and Florida Atlantic. So I mean just it, they look yeah. very similar, but I mean Ohio State looked good doing it. Michigan looked like they struggled in some areas, 
but Michigan is still going to be a very dangerous team in the Big Ten moving forward. So we are going to quickly go through some of these remaining Big Ten teams now. Um, a dominating performance for Penn State. I don't care who you're playing. If you put up 79 points, that's truly impressive. Um, we saw Sam Clifford's first start where he left the game in the third quarter after going 14 of 23 with 280 yards and two touchdowns. Um, they put up 44 points in the first half. And then, like I just said, their backups were in primarily the remainder of the game. Um, and still, they were able to put up 35 points in the second half. So Penn State looking incredible, um, putting up 79 points. I know against Idaho, but I, like I said, I don't care how bad of a team you're playing. If you put up 79, that's incredible. Yeah, so a 79-point performance in college football. Um, yeah. I think, I think the last time uh, we saw a 70, basically an 80-point game was that triple overtime game um between a and m and i can't remember who the other team was but they were triple overtime you put up 70 points that makes sense that was a seven overtime game last year that's what it was texas a&m and and lsu yes the seven Seven overtime game with 70 points apiece that makes sense. That's understandable. But 79 and four quarters. That, that, I mean, your it's offense is going out and playing fantastic. That's almost making hardly any mistakes. So uh, Penn State's going to be a very dangerous team also in the Big Ten. Um, do I think they could win the Big Ten? No. But I think they could easily make some noise and ruffle some feathers enough for those top teams. But they at the same do. time, if Penn State makes the right moves and they play the right way, I mean, shoot. They could easily beat Ohio State and Michigan if they wanted to. Exactly. And they could be right up there at the top. Penn State, to me, is always a team where it's like, oh, they could be really good. But then, like last year, for example, they weren't. So we'll see what happens with the Nittany Lions. We move next to the Iowa Hawkeyes as they defeated the Miami Red Hawks of Ohio 38-14 in a game where um, Makai Sargent had probably the best game of his career, where he had 91 yards and and a touchdown in helping the 20th-ranked Hawkeyes beat Miami. And Sargent said last, he said, quote, last year I was more so playing off talent rather than knowing how much to read defenses and being patient. And then he said, quote, now I feel like any knowledge of the game, and now I feel like I have knowledge of the game, understanding concepts that make me feel more comfortable as a back. I think if you're a head coach, you love hearing that, that your running back says that rather than just relying off of his speed and strength, he's like, I can use that after I read the defense and then break off plays. And I think we saw that with an impressive performance from Sargent. Oh, absolutely. Sargent played his, played his heart out in that game. That's that's what they needed from him, though. Um, Iowa, They're going to need that from him all season. I mean, We yeah. talked about some of the tough teams in that West, um, Nebraska being one of them, Wisconsin – um, being another that we already talked about, it, each side of the Big Ten, you're, I mean, you look at the SEC, for example, obviously one side I think is more tougher than the other with Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M. And, but when you, in regards to the Big Ten, you have Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and then on the other side you have Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. So it's pretty even on both sides. Yeah, this is a very even conference, but... Iowa's got a lot to prove. Um, they, I mean, they, they didn't play that bad last year. Um, so, I mean, they're really just trying to stay at that level they're at. I think this is the 
kind of performance you expected from them week one. Um, but, I, I mean, once you get in a conference play, Iowa's not going to put up 38 every week. I think you're going to see them start to mellow down a little bit and have to fight for their their scoring plays. But, I mean, Iowa still could be a dangerous team in the West for sure. Now we look at the Nebraska Cornhuskers, who got off to kind of a slow start, only leading 14-7 to at the half. Um, but then with 14 points in the third quarter um, and then a touchdown late, they were able to pull past South Alabama and win 35-21. to um, South Alabama offensively was pretty strong, but defensively, um, Scott Frost was pretty happy. But he, And overall, he wasn't extremely pleased. Um, he said, this is a quote, Scott Frost, after the end of the game, he said, that's as anemic as an offensive start I've ever been a part of in a long time. That's not the offense I've been, I've been looking at during fall camp. Um, we have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what happened today. I give credit to South Alabama for coaching job they did. Their kids came in and fought. So offensively, Scott Frost says, offensively, we should have one of the best offenses with Adrian Martinez as that leadership position. But he did not see it in week one, and he you could tell he was pretty upset. Oh, absolutely. This, this offense should be way more high-powered than they were. Um, but, I mean, you still saw a pretty good performance from Dedrick Mills. Uh, only 44 yards, but he showed he, he has a, he's more of a power back, and he got the two touchdowns, you know, closer to the end zone. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. Yes, you should not have given up 21 points to South Alabama. <laughs> and you, if you're going to be a contender in the Big Ten, um, you, you, you got to play better. Um, your starting quarterback can't have 178 yards passing and an interception. That's it. Yeah. Especially with how highly touted they are on Adrian Martinez. Um, they need to move forward, and I agree. Go back to the drawing board, figure out what the errors were, and um, see where it goes moving forward. Next, I know this isn't a ranked team, but they played a ranked team. Uh, Northwestern traveled to Stanford to take on the Cardinals in a game where, um, really honestly for Stanford, K.J. Costello was knocked out, um, and Stanford really had to rely on their defense um, after his injury. So maybe more concern for Stanford than Northwestern, um, but Northwestern not off to a great start in the Big Ten, and so... Not much to talk about that game. Um, Stanford and maybe the Pac-12 as a whole should be a little concerned um, with Oregon losing. Um, Stanford maybe dealing with potential injury problems at quarterback, so maybe the, the Pac-12 will have to rely more on Utah or Washington being that team who pulls out um, and makes it to potential playoff scenarios. But we'll see. They would have a lot of work to do as they're both back near um, the top, just inside the top 15. So now we will quickly look at the Big 12. Not as many teams as the Big 10 to look at but uh, in terms of ranked teams, but we will still look at some of those local teams specifically. Um, Texas, um, they claim that they're back, and they look pretty solid in week one. I think obviously this coming Saturday will be more of a test for the Texas Longhorns um, as they'll be facing LSU, but we'll get to that later. But Defeating Louisiana Tech 45-14, to where Sam Ellinger, who's the Big 12 preseason player of the year, threw four touchdown passes, um, as well as 276 yards on 28 of 38. Um, 
So Texas offensively looked pretty incredible in game number one. And I think in the Big 12, you're going to have to be. You're going to have to be that explosive offense because we saw what other teams were doing, such as Oklahoma. Um, We saw an impressive performance from Oklahoma State. Even Kansas State looked strong offensively. So in terms of the Big 12, this is what you want to see if you're Texas, saying, we have the preseason Big 12 player of the year. Let's go see what he does. And he did great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This was a a eye-opening performance for Texas. This was a, hey, we're not number 10 in the country for anything. Um, <laughs> no, we're, they're, they're legit. They're a legitimate threat they're this year. They're trying to prove they're legit. Exactly. They're, they, they want to show Oklahoma that, you know, they're, they're going to put up a very good fight. They have a dynamic offense, and their defense played fantastic as well. Um, maybe not in the fourth quarter, giving up 14 points late, but I mean, They'd already scored enough points to where it didn't really matter. Um, so I think if Texas plays like this in the Big 12, uh, by the time they run into Oklahoma, uh, you're going to see a pretty good game. I know I'm going to put that on my calendar to watch when Texas and Oklahoma play because it's it, it's going to be a very – For sure. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think the defenses are, are going to not play as well, and you're going to see a lot of offense in those games. Next, we move to number 21, Iowa State, as they survived in triple overtime to Northern Iowa, their in-state um, rival, where it was crazy in that third quarter as Iowa State was down 3, 26-23, and Brock Purdy fumbled, was able to recover it, or uh, Crony fumbled it, Brock Purdy was the one who recovered it on the goal line in triple overtime. They lose that fumble, they lose the game. Brock Purdy recovered it. Very next play, Iowa State scores a touchdown to win the game. So it goes from thinking, absolute disaster, we just lost week one, to, whew, let's move on to week two because we just survived that game against Northern Iowa. This is kind of concerning to me for Iowa State. We knew with the loss of David Montgomery that it would be a little bit of a struggle, but I was expecting, hey, Matt Campbell's back. You That's a, probably your biggest win um, in the offseason. And then Brock Purdy's coming back. So I ex- didn't expect this at all um, from the Cyclones, but a win's a win, I guess? Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I guess is in uh, quotes and italics because yeah. it's, it's like a, I don't know. I mean, the, the, <laughs> I mean you got to be a little concerned about this, especially because people have been talking about Iowa State so heavily to make a threat in the Big 12. Uh, but when you go out and you play triple overtime with an unranked UNI, yeah, kind of raises some eyebrows. So I mean, maybe this is another uh, version of going back to the drawing board, just like Nebraska. Figure it out and see if you improve in week two. Next, we will move to Indiana State. Yeah, at Kansas, falling <laughs> to the Jayhawks. Um, <laughs> I. <laughs> you loved this game, didn't you? Uh, I twenty three to seventeen was the final score. Twenty four seventeen. Twenty four. Hey, oh, they went for two. Point. Hey, they come for, on. They went for two. Um, they were down with uh, Kansas was down with four minutes remaining in the game after a fumble recovered in the end zone by the Sycamores to go up uh, seventeen to sixteen. Kansas had a late drive to win the game. I'll let Nolan have this one because he's the resident Jayhawk in the studio. Um, I just like getting on your nerves because I, mean, I know this team. I know this whole talk on Les Miles and I KU mean, I, bugs you. I think in terms of 
it's better for the Big 12 to be a more rounded conference rather than having the worst team in college football be in your conference. And for the longest time, that's been Kansas. So yeah. I, I don't know if I – I want them to be respectable. How about that? I want them to be that's respectable. Fun. A respectable opponent, not just a sure automatic win. And if you lose to them, then you lose all credibility ever as, <laughs> as Texas – the Texas Longhorns will never forget because they lost to Kansas, what was it, like four years ago, and people are still talking about it. Hey, don't forget, you all lost to KU. You'll never earn that respect again. So I want <laughs> Kansas to be respectable. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's okay. that's perfectly fine. Um, I so mean, were you happy with your new head coach's first game? I'm not an adamant KU football fan. I'm, I'm not oh. really a f- don't say that. What do you want? Be a, be a better fan. Be a fan of a team of all their sports, I not just one. Don't I don't a... have a legitimate favorite <sighs> in in college football. I mean, I don't have a Why legitimate not? favorite. If, you, if you, it's your favorite school, you got you should root for them. In fine, all Austin. From this day forward, are you wearing a Razorback hat though? I am. Free that's, hat. Now that's okay. free hat. Fair enough. Okay? Fair enough. Free hat. Fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> from this day forward, I will follow them intently and thoroughly. I appreciate okay? that. I want fans like that. All right. I respect, I respect fans who follow their team even though they're the worst. All right. I respect there you that. Go. I respect that. So if you want a recap on this game, KU defense played phenomenal. Uh, couple, I mean, they have a guy on their defense whose last name is Defense. Exactly. So, so I mean, three, three inter- <laughs> Who I had a pick had, six, by the way. So, so three, three interceptions. I mean, I think this is a, a – or two interceptions, sorry. Good game overall for them defensively. Uh, the offense has to work out some issues, obviously. Um, you know, not, not dynamic. They don't score a lot quickly. Kind of spread it out over the game. Um, if you want to compete in the Big 12 – you're going to have to put points up quickly and hope your defense plays like it did in week one. Now we will move to Kansas State, where uh, in Chris Kleiman's first game in Manhattan, or I guess not his first game in Manhattan, but his first game as being head coach of the Wildcats, he put up 49 on the scoreboard over uh, Nichols State, a team who, by the way, um, they beat Kansas week one. Sorry. Um, <laughs> last season. I know Nolan remembers that. Anyway, they Kansas State won 49 to 14 um in where is showing where uh at the start of the season Kansas State did not have a running back on scholarship as Alex Barnes moved to the NFL. Um but they had five rushing touchdowns scored by five different guys. Um, which I think is just truly incredible in terms of where you started the season to where you're at now. So we'll see what happens offensively for Kansas State. They'll have some tougher games coming up, of course, in week three playing at Mississippi State, which will be extremely tough. But I think um, the game we'll go to finally for the Big 12 before we go to break here and then recap the SEC is a team that Nolan and I expected to play well but maybe not this well, because my goodness, OU looked scary good. Like, yes, whoa. they Hold were on. they were impressive. Uh, they they might have looked better than last season, which is just uh, that was scary. That was the Jalen Hurts. That is that a hot take? I don't we, know. <laughs> that was the Jalen Hurts we all said needed to. Uh, Show up. And we said on this show we wanted to see what he could do differently than what he did at Alabama. I, I've been and saying whoa. at OU he needs to become the two-way quarterback that everybody knows he can be. 
at Alabama, I mean, you saw the glimpses of how he can run, but he threw a lot more at Alabama. Now at Oklahoma, this play, this offensive style is allowing him to really just mo- put up, emerge as exactly. who he really is as a quarterback. I mean, 176 rush yards for three touchdowns. Wed the team. 332 passing yards, three touchdowns, and team. only three <laughs> incompletions. Incredible. Put up 49 so, points, six touchdowns on his own. Um, I want to talk oh, about Oh, wow. Do we <laughs> have a third straight Heisman winner from, from Maybe. Oklahoma? Maybe. He Maybe, does that every week. Because that's probably the best performance of the weekend, I mean, honestly. He does that every week. I don't see why not. <laughs> uh, if Charleston Rambo uh, catches only three passes for 100 yards every week, he put him up there, too. So, Good yeah, grief. he had three receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. So I mean, Not bad. Oklahoma does this every week. And Houston uh, is not, I mean, you know. They're not a bad team at all. They're not Idaho. They are no, a respectable team. No, King is a fantastic new head coach, New head coach, yes, but respectable, a very respectable program. And OU offensively was just absolute firing Dominant. on all cylinders. Dominant, definitely. So Good game for Oklahoma. Incredible. Um, and incredible performances from the Big Ten and Big 12 as a whole from a conference standpoint. We will come back and look at our third conference that we cover here on Tuesday Takeover. It's time for the Southeastern Conference here on Tuesday Takeover. You're listening to X106. Welcome back to Tuesday Takeover here on the X106. Austin McNorton, Nolan Brooks here with you for the next 45 minutes on this beautiful Tuesday evening here in Maryville, Missouri. Merville. Exactly. I couldn't. Merville. Merville. It's kind of like Merca. Merca. Merville. Merca, Merville. Now, what is with the. I've always wondered this. I don't know if I've actually gotten. Because I see a lot of jokes about it. What is with the sign when you come up here? It's 10 miles out. Capital M A R capital Y. I think I I saw I just noticed this a couple, like a couple of weeks ago coming up here. I was like, hold on a minute. Have I been driving by this sign? Was it up like that all year? Am oh, yeah. I just that? It's been like that for a while. Oh my! Honestly. Why is that? I was like, I don't know, man. Wait, is it capital Y? It's capital M A R capital Y V I L L E. I don't know. I think I it's saw that was a like, misprint. I saw that and I was like, I've heard a lot on, of people joke. Is that like joke. one of those, like, you had one job memes? Like, you know, you always <laughs> I think see. So. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people joke they're going to take that sign once they graduate just because it's, it's, it's weird and I see, it looks yeah, different. Yeah, okay, yeah, because I see a lot of people putting it on Twitter, and I never actually, never actually got it until I saw the sign like a month ago, and I was like, I saw it driving by, and I was like, hold on, wait, what was that? And then I thought back, I was like, that's what I keep seeing all these people uh, talking about. I thought it was just a weird thing that people did. But it was like, no, this is nope, an actual sign. Yep. I was I was cracking up. I was like, I can't believe this is – I was so funny. Anyway, <laughs> what, 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 what else should we talk about? Um, hmm. Other than football. <laughs> yeah. Just something other than football that we can talk about because I mean, who wants to sit here and listen to us talk about college football anyway? Let's be honest. I mean, what do we know? I mean, yeah. cl- clearly nothing. Um cuz you know, Nolan says that KU is going to win the national championship and I I say and I direct quote Come from on. direct quote from Nolan, KU will win the national championship no, no doubt. Didn't say it. <laughs> we <Fabrication>. going <laughs> 
We are going to look at the Big Ten previewing week two here on Tuesday Takeover. We will start with the number five team in the country at home again, this time taking on a little bit more of a difficult opponent in the Cincinnati Bearcats, the other Bearcats as we like to call them here at Northwest Missouri State. And... I mean, really, when you look at it, if Justin Fields plays like he did in week one, I would lean on picking the Buckeyes pretty heavily. They are 16-point favorites as of right now. Yeah, um, this isn't even a a hard decision for me. I think uh, Ohio State's going to... I think it's going to be about the same performance you saw from week one. Cincinnati defeated UCLA 24-14 to in their first matchup. So, so, I mean, Cincinnati is a well-sounded team. team, a Power 5 team that could, you know, give them some trouble. But Ohio State is Ohio State. So, uh, I'm thinking about the same performance as week one, 45-20, um, 45-21. You know, in that range, they're going to give up some scores, but there's still going to be a head by enough they can cruise a little bit. So Ohio State. Cincinnati put up 417 yards compared to Ohio State's 469. Um, Notably, um, Cincinnati actually had more passing yards, but Ohio State put up 45 points, a significant part, again, to Justin Fields. We look now at Army. We'll be traveling to Ann Arbor for – the number seven team in the nation, the Michigan Wolverines. And we talked about the new offense in Michigan with their no-huddle spread type offense with Shea Patterson. And we saw maybe some of those mental mistakes. So I think if you're Michigan, you're looking to avoid some of those pre-snap penalties, some of those turnovers, obviously, um, to cruise to your potential 2-0 start against Army, who is 1-0 after last week the Black Knights defeated Rice, barely, 14-7 in a low-scoring matchup there. So I would lean towards Michigan in this one. Um, I like the new offense. I kind of like what John Harbaugh is trying to implicate. Look, Michigan defense has always been the story. So like we said in hour one, if you're able to have a very proficient offense with this defense that has been so historically good, they're going to be really fun to watch potentially in the Big Ten and maybe even in the postseason. So I'm going to pick Michigan in this game. Oh, yeah, this is another one that's not close for me. Um, I enjoy watching the Army-Navy game every year because you see that. Of course. You see the, that may be the greatest game in college two, football. How often do you year? see two option heavy teams play each other it. so it's, that may be the best it's fun to year, watch always. it's fun to watch but uh this i think this is where this you're is gonna see <laughs> no you're gonna see a true michigan performance here i think they're gonna bounce back um i don't know many teams that win 45 to 20 and call that a struggle that true, should tell you they did that should tell you that they this were not team, that this team is expecting a whole lot more and to call a 24 25-point win, a struggle, should be scary for the rest of the Big Ten. So uh, uh, Michigan's going to rickroll Army, and <laughs> I think I, – I won't give a score, but Michi- Michigan is I'll going <laughs> to run away with that game. Next, we have an interconference matchup between the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, Rutgers actually put up 48 points against UMass – um, in game number one, in which they put up 554 yards of total offense and 
Iowa, again, we talked about uh, running back play, specifically from um, Michael Sargent, who had 91 yards and a touchdown on 14 carries. But you look at quarterback play, I think Iowa's going to be able to turn Rutgers over. Um, Starting quarterback for Rutgers, um, Mr. Carter threw three interceptions. Um, It just against UMass. Um, So I guess when you throw the ball a lot, you're bound to probably throw some interceptions. But to throw three in game number one is something I think Rutgers is definitely going to want to correct before they head to Iowa City on Saturday for sure. Uh, yeah, definitely. That's the, <laughs> the defense that doesn't mess around there in Iowa. No, they they will force the exact same performance if you let them. So um, I think I think Iowa's going to perform well. Look for about the same performance, though. Maybe not thirty eight points, um, but uh, I'm going to take Iowa in this game. I think they'll fix a few of those mistakes that they had. Um, and you'll see them improve a little bit, but they're still going to Rutgers is still going to probably put up enough points to where Iowa might sweat a few sweat beads and you know be a little worried. But uh, Iowa overall. So now we move to an unranked opponent in the Big Ten. However, they're playing a ranked opponent in the ACC in Syracuse, and Syracuse is the number twenty-one team in the nation. They defeated Liberty twenty-four to zero, and. I This is not the third time I'm going to say this, but I think it's relevant in the fact that I don't care who you're playing, how good that team is. If you win 79-0 to zero, like the Terrapins did on Saturday over Howard, that's just truly impressive. An impressive way to start the season. They had 623 yards. Um, their uh, starting quarterback in Jackson had four touchdowns on the day. Funk had 79 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown. 317 total yards rushing for Maryland, where it was not as dominating of a performance for Syracuse offensively, but defensively did not give out. So these are two teams now that have yet to give up any points on the scoreboard. So this is going to be a battle. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you I'm not big... super high on the ACC, to be completely honest. Well, Well, no, but I mean... I think this is a a matchup that uh, you should be looking at for the Big Ten. Honestly, um, I'm going to take Maryland in this game. I know kind of want to lean towards Maryland too. I like Maryland and how they produce on offense. I yes, I get it. They they were playing a team that was less than them, but again, 79 points. You have to joke. You really you really have to work as a offensive unit collectively to put up 79 points. While Syracuse is ranked and Maryland is not, I think Maryland's got a, a good enough offense to where at home they could drop Syracuse. Um, I think it'll be close. I think Syracuse can make it a game, but um, I'm going to take Maryland in this game. I think they got a high-power offense, and I think they're good enough to win that game. So, Maryland. I'm oh, Man, I'm going to take Maryland too, actually. I, I am not high on the ACC. Um, other than Clemson, of course, I, I think that conference is really kind of just not that great. I mean, we looked at Miami. There's obviously a lot of question marks with Miami. Florida State didn't look great. Um, Virginia Tech, Boston College played each other. They didn't look great. Um, so I'm going to lean with Maryland because, like I've said so many times, if 79 to zero is just quite honestly, it's it's no joke. 
Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually agree with Nolan. I'm gonna pick Maryland in, in that one as well. Um, the next team we'll look at here in the Big Ten will be Central Michigan taking on the Badgers of Wisconsin. And Jonathan Taylor is the story for me. I talked super high on him last week, all preseason. They put up 49 points in their win over UCF, putting up 49 to zero. Um, whereas Central Michigan defeated Albany 38-21. to So we see a lot of high scoring. Central Michigan put up 529 yards. But Wisconsin, Jonathan Taylor's just too tough to stop, in my opinion. Um, so I'm going to pick Wisconsin. I think, I think offensively, Jonathan Taylor might be the best player in this Big Ten conference. Um, so good luck. Good luck. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll keep it short and sweet here. Uh, Wisconsin's going to get another big victory. Um, Central Michigan will get their respectable 7 or 10 points and be like, you know what, we put up 10 points on Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin's going to win this game by a lot. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Wisconsin. Um, that The one I'm interested in is Vanderbilt and Purdue. I think this – yeah. Think, I think that that could be a good game. Um, Purdue losing on the last second field goal. Yeah, I didn't goal have that on my list, but that's a, Nevada. That's definitely an interesting one. Um, I think that'll be a good one. But um, yeah, overall, if you're talking about Wisconsin, Central Michigan, um, I'm going to take Wisconsin big. I am as well. And then we'll look at our final two teams here, or three teams rather: Nebraska at Colorado, a former. Um, Big 12 matchup there between those two teams. Um, I I like I honestly like the attitude that Scott Frost took after Game One, saying that offensively, what happened? This team is built to put up points, and they really struggled in um, Week One. So I'm going to take Nebraska. I think Adrian Martinez and Scott Frost are going to get it figured out offensively. Um, I think it would be kind of Interesting to see these two teams that both left the Big 12 play against each other. So I might have to tune into this one um, on Saturday. Yeah, I I like this matchup a lot. I think this is going to be a good road test for Nebraska um, to to go on the road early in the Big Ten is really a, a good test, especially when you're trying to be a competing team for the uh, Big Ten like ne- Nebraska is. Um, so I think I think you're right. Uh, Nebraska's going to go to the drawing board, reconsider what they need to fix, um, and I think I think it's going to be another close one for Nebraska. I really do. I don't see them blowing out Colorado uh, on the road. So uh, Nebraska will take this one, but it will be close. Next, we will look at um, Penn State. We'll be taking on Buffalo uh, there in Pennsylvania. Keep this one short. Um. Yep. I'm going to take the Nittany Lions. Again, winning by such as the substantial amount that they did um, is just truly incredible. So I think, I mean, if they're able to replicate just half of that, then they'll win. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, they're able good to Lord. even replicate I mean, that even slightly, then they'll win this ballgame. Yeah. So, uh, again, short and sweet. Penn State's going to take this game by a lot you're going to see another good performance maybe not 79 points but it's going to be a good game for them they'll play great overall penn state uh rick rolls buffalo <laughs> you keep saying rick you keep rolls. saying the rick roll 
I mean, it's I respect disrespectful it. to get Rick. Right. I mean, I respect it. Um, and then finally, the final big team, final Big Ten team that say that five times fast. Um, <laughs> final Big Ten team that we'll look at is uh, Western Michigan. Will be traveling to Michigan State, the number nineteen team in the country. Um, and this is another team in Michigan State who we said. Um, completed Jacob Blair's logic to winning a college football game to a T of putting up four scores and then just relying on your defense to win. Mm-hmm. That's literally what they did against Tulsa, winning 28-7. to And then Western Michigan defeated Monroe 48-13. to So offensively, Western Michigan does have the stats. We'll see how they compete against the caliber of a team from the Big Ten, especially a high-caliber team in Michigan State. Um, Michigan State's a 16-point favor. I like uh, Lewerke. He didn't have a tremendous performance for Michigan State. Um, he threw um, 18 incomplete – or correction, yeah, 15 incompletions. No, wow, I'm bad at math. 16 incompletions, and, but he did put up 192 yards offensively. So I expect a big game out of him. Um, so I'm going to take Michigan State at home. Yeah, uh, I think Michigan State plays very well at home. Um, we've seen them beat uh, a high-powered Michigan team at home before. Um, so I think I think this team's definitely got some home field advantage here. Uh, Western Michigan, they're, they're going to put up their points, but I think you're going to see Michigan State's offense really um, maybe come to life a little bit more and not not do the four touchdown and, and play defense mm-hmm. um, ideal. So I think... Michigan State's going to win this game, and you're going to see their offense uh, impress some people and maybe open some eyes in the Big Ten. Now we move to our next conference here on Tuesday Takeover for the Big 12. Um, Not an incredible amount of games for the Big 12 in terms of ranked teams. Obviously, we already talked about Texas, so we won't talk about them again. Um, So we'll look first at a local team. We'll look at two local teams and then um, a ranked team in Oklahoma. We'll look at so we'll look first. Bowling Green will be taking on Kansas State. Um, second game for Chris Kleiman and um, I expect. So I think it's going to be an interesting game in terms of passing yardage um, between. Um, returning quarterback Skyler Thompson and then Wade for Bowling Green, who Wade put up 253 yards and three touchdowns um, for Bowling Green, a primarily passing offense as he threw the ball 32 times. And then a team in Kansas State who rushed the ball incredibly effectively um, against um, Nickel State. They put up 361 rushing yards. And a team, like I mentioned, for Kansas State who didn't have a running back to start the season but had five touchdowns from five different guys running the ball. Um, Leading the way was Gilbert for Kansas State with 115 yards on 18 carries. I'm actually going to this game on Saturday. Looking forward to being back in the bill again, um, this time with a new head coach. So I'm going to get to my seat early. That way I can see – Everything new. I want to see the new warm-ups. I want to see the new entrance onto the field. I want to see everything. I want to see everything new that what I've been seeing for the last 
30 plus 20 plus years of Bill Snyder being the head coach. I guess Ron, throw Ron Prince in there a little bit, but but well, I like to forget about that um, as much as I can. But I am going to pick Kansas State. Shockingly, I mean, I you know I'm just such Austin's a huge State fan. I'm a huge Bowling Green. I'm a huge Bowling Green guy. You know, um, respect. Uh, absolutely, have been a diehard my whole life. So it's tough for me to pick against my. I'm kidding, of course. Um, I'm gonna pick Kansas State. I like Skyler Thompson. He's only a junior, so we're. I'm more interested to maybe even see what he's gonna do next year. Um, but it's looking solid so far. And then I think this is also an important game for Kansas State in the fact that next week they take on Mississippi State. So to not look ahead to next week, to stay focused on this week rather than looking ahead to a much tougher opponent from the SEC, just stay focused on Bowling Green and then move into week three. Uh, speaking of Skylar Thompson, just real quick, I remember when Truman played him in high school. He played for Fort Osage. Oh, did you play against him in high school? We played against That's him, cool. That's and cool. he annihilated our, our – well, he did that a lot, from what it sounds. It like. was it was it was not pretty. So that's a fair loss. Well, yeah. So um, Kansas State's going to win big in this one. This will be uh, kind of a. I don't want to say that they should completely. They're not going to completely throw this one out the window. I think I think they're going to be prepping for Mississippi State in this game. You're going to see them working out maybe some kinks that would show up big against Mississippi State and SEC matchup. You'll see them work out the kinks, and you'll see them try and uh, develop their offense a little bit to be prepared for the Mississippi State uh, SEC-style defense. So for sure. look for kinks to get worked out here, but K-State wins big. The next this is not necessarily we, – we put this in the Big 12 part of the show, but it's a local team, and West Virginia will be traveling to Missouri for the first home game in Columbia of the season. Um where the Tigers, <laughs> boy, I don't, I don't know, um, need to stop the run, I think, would be extremely helpful. Um, and really just kind of regroup, maybe, I guess you call it restart, um, after a surprising week one. It's time to just say, forget about it, move on. We have a Power 5 team coming in. <sighs> I think I, I even even still after the Tigers lose uh, to Wyoming, I think they'll be fired up to come back home. I don't think Kelly Bryant likes to lose, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Tigers. I think West Virginia might actually be the worst team in the Big Twelve this year, even with KU, which think, is surprising. I think West Virginia actually might be the worst team in the Big Twelve this year, which is really surprising. Um, so I'm actually going to lean towards Missouri on this on this one. I think it could be really close, though. I think it could be really close. I'm going to give the edge to the home team. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Missouri at home as well. Okay. Um, granted, they they looked bad against Wyoming. They really did. I mean, I think they underestimated Wyoming. Now West Virginia does not play the same style as Wyoming does. So don't overcommit to the run this week. You know, they, they got torched by the run. I hope Mizzou defense doesn't, you know, try to overcommit the run and then they get torched in the passing game. Because we've seen that happen before where teams are like, wow, we really got tore up in the trenches and we couldn't stop the third down conversion running or anything like that. Then they overcommit on the line and they get beat in the passing game. So 
Don't yeah, overcommit on that. Re- that's a very real possibility. So uh, I am going to take Mizzou at home. I think their offense is high-powered enough to where they can beat West Virginia. Um, we saw Mizzou compete with a Georgia team last year. Think about who Georgia was. So it's true. And now they've even so we've got we've definitely seen two sides of exactly. This and, but now they've got Kelly Bryant, who I think is a two-way quarterback, whereas Drew Locke was not. So ride that home field advantage. Mizzou takes a ten-point win at home against West Virginia. Something I don't know. Next, we will look at. Coastal Carolina will be traveling to Lawrence, Kansas to take on Les Miles in his second game for the Jayhawks. Um, I mean, what do you want to see from the Jayhawks? Um, Put up 344 yards against Indiana State. Um, Defensively, they only gave up 365 yards, which isn't spectacular, especially through the air. Um, giving up 219 yards to Indiana State. Not spectacular. Um, and this is a team in Coastal Carolina who offensively, they struggled. Um, they lost to um, Eastern Michigan 30-23 to in a close one there. So I, I, is, is Coastal Carolina coming up fired up? Or are they coming up saying, boy, this is a tough game. We couldn't beat Eastern Michigan, and now we have to try and beat a Power 5 team in Kansas? Or are they coming with the attitude saying, Maybe this is a pretty winnable game for us. We 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 made a lot of mental mistakes against Eastern Michigan, and we're we've corrected those, and now we feel confident headed into Lawrence. Um, I definitely think you're going to see some improvement. I mean, from any, both teams, maybe. Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Um, I would agree. I th- I mean, th- th- I think we're that, definitely that's how see, it works. That's I definitely how, think we're going to see some improvements. Yes, that's how college from football Kansas. works. You're going to see two teams get better in their second week. You work out your week one kinks in practice this week, and you'll see some improvement. And I think especially I from think, Kansas, that's the yes, case. Yes, yes, because Kansas, Kansas has been talking about this offense that they've developed under Les Miles, and you didn't see a whole lot of it. True. But it's there. You saw a glimpse of it. So um, I'm I'm going to take Kansas in this game. I think Kansas. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out at all. I think Coastal Carolina is going to cruise around like Indiana State. Maybe not literally down to one of the last plays, mm-hmm. but they'll they'll cruise around for a little bit and make them work for it. Um, but I'm going to take Kansas in a, a semi close game. I am too. I think Les Miles is going to correct some of those things that he saw, um, some turnovers, some lapses defensively. Um, and so I would pick Kansas as well. I don't think this Coastal Carolina team is very good. And finally, no. we look at – we already talked about Texas taking on LSU. That's college game day. We look at South Dakota will be traveling to Norman, Oklahoma to take on Short Boomer Sooner. sweet, folks. <laughs> Boomer Sooner. Um, if, I mean, Jalen Hurts scored six <laughs> touchdowns. So, against Houston. Against Houston. Think about who Houston is compared to South Dakota. I know who Kyle Miller is. We apologize picking. to Kyle Miller. Kyle Miller's pick in South Dakota. He's going to watch that game. And he's we apologize be like, to Kyle whoa, Miller whoa, in whoa. advance. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Kyle. Shout out to Kyle Miller at South Dakota. Uh, but uh, Oklahoma's going to rickroll South Dakota. I would agree. I'm bringing that back up. <laughs> rickroll. I would really, Capital really R. agree. And finally here, our final conference of Tuesday Takeover that we cover here closely. We just talked about the local team. The reason why we look at the SEC so closely um, is Missouri. 
We now look at some other interesting games. We talked about Vanderbilt-Purdue a little bit. I think that's an interesting um, Power 5 non-conference matchup for each of those teams. Um, Definitely one game that I have um, highlighted here um, in in bold letters is number 12, Texas A&M, traveling to the South Carolina to take on the Clemson Tigers the number one team in the nation in a game where Kellen Mond looked pretty strong, throwing three touchdowns for the Aggies and their week one over te- week one win over Texas State. Um, but then Clemson looking like the best team in college football in their week one performance. So, hmm, this is an interesting game because I think head coach in Jimbo Fisher, he knows this Clemson team. He he. You know, he he's familiar with them, maybe some of their strategies, a little bit of their philosophies. So I think it could potentially be a close game. I honestly think this might be the toughest game on Clemson's schedule as a whole, and it's just week two. But I think they're the best team in the nation, and oh, I think this is going to be a really close game, but I think I'm going to pick Clemson. At home, I'm going to give them the home field edge, um, and yeah, I'm going to pick the Tigers. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go ahead and take Clemson. Um, I think A&M's defense has enough firepower, though, to make this some trouble um, for Clemson, for Trevor Lawrence. Um, so I don't look for Clemson to uh, win 30-6 to or anything. You know, don't, don't, don't look for a game like that. That's not what you're going to get here. I think you're going to see something similar to maybe an Auburn-Oregon game. Okay. Not, it's not going to come down to a last second touchdown, but I think Clemson is a seventeen and a half point favorite. I don't agree with that. I, it makes but. sense if you think about who they are, but yeah, I don't agree with that. I think Clemson will take this game by a couple touchdowns, but it's going to be a tough earned couple of touchdowns. Yeah. Maybe maybe a touchdown, a field goal, even. A um, and M's going to make them work for it. Um, so don't be surprised if it's close, but. Also, don't be surprised if Clemson comes out and rolls over a Exactly. I could and definitely you, see. And then you think, oh, wow. I could definitely see the game going two ways. Of It's a, either going to be a close, hard fought, or you're going to see Clemson 100%. roll over A&M in a way because I could easily see Clemson just coming out and shutting yes. up critics that think A&M is a good SEC, uh, you know, test for them early and then Clemson rolls them so we'll see but Clemson overall um this will probably be a quick one Alabama will be taking on New Mexico State Alabama yep Georgia will be taking on Murray State Georgia Georgia maybe maybe this is an interesting one I didn't have it on my Tennessee BYU both teams 0 one on the season Tennessee's at home I probably would lean towards Tennessee um BYU did not look very good against Utah but who knows? I mean, Tennessee lost to Georgia State, so yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> yeah, you don't. You, you never know in college and football then nowadays. Auburn taking on Tulane. I would take Auburn. Yeah, Florida Auburn. against University of Texas Martin. I would take Florida, even though Florida didn't look great against Miami. Um, and so, yeah, the remaining games in the SEC, other than Texas A&M and Clemson, and then LSU in Texas, are really I feel like pretty easy picks. Which is stereotypical, <laughs> and that's what you see in the first couple weeks is 
games where it, they're kind of tune-up games, honestly. Yeah. But there are there, – I mean, hey, there's a few. Georgia State proved that. Georgia State came out and they beat did. Tennessee. So, hey, you never know. But <laughs> these are tune-up – I think these are tune-up games. Besides the Clemson A&M game, these are tune-ups. So. For sure. So when we come back, we are going to ask a couple of questions on who is the best quarterback from week one? What was the best performance? What was the best defensive performance we saw? You're listening to Tuesday Takeover on KZLX. 